Amen. You may be seated. Well, good, good morning. You guys good this morning? I've been preaching to a camera for five, for five months, all right? So I need a good morning back. How are you guys doing this morning? Good morning? Yeah, come on now. I mean, I seriously have been preaching to a camera for five months. It is good to see faces this morning. So I lead a church just south of Seattle uh, in a town uh, called Puyallup, and actually our community is called the Greater Puyallup Valley, and uh, it's very similar to, to this area here, and so it's just good to be here with you guys this morning, and I don't know if there's any similarities. I see a lot of similarities as I drive around. I see a lot of similarities, but just in Seattle, everybody's dealing with the chaos and uncertainty just perfect. I'm serious, guys. They're dealing with it. There's no fear. There's no anxiety up there. We're dealing with it like we're super calm, and we're, we're, just, we're just dialed in. Do you guys believe me? No, we're losing our minds. We are abs- I, I'm losing my mind. I mean, this is crazy. Chaos and uncertainty in unprecedented times. I mean, do you understand that? I mean, if you're a young person here this morning, do you understand that your parents have never dealt with anything like this? And their parents... They might have, if, 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 if your parents are old, man, they, they got some parents that have been dealing with stuff, but let me tell you, this is crazy. How are you dealing with the crazy? Let me tell you how I'm dealing with it. I'm overwhelmed. I lead a church, and I'm overwhelmed. And I thank God for his holy and inspired word that we don't just read a textbook and gather information, but we read the living, breathing word of God. And guess what? We find ourselves in the text. And I'm going to tell you, I believe many of us, including myself, we will find ourselves in this text. And it is a beautiful invitation for us to take all the fear that we're maybe holding on to and have an exchange with Jesus. Chaos and uncertainty, it perpetuates fear. And all of us are going to deal with that fear. The world is dealing with fear in all kinds of ways. I mean, we're seeing it, right? We're seeing what happens when people are scared. And I want you to examine your heart this morning. How are you dealing with the fear of the chaos and the uncertainty this morning? I've had to be honest with myself over the last several months. I would never have said I'm an anxious person. but I'm dealing with anxiety. And here's what I do with my anxiety. I distract myself. See, fear perpetuates anxiety, and then you gotta do something with your anxiety. Lots of people self-medicate. Lots of people distract themselves with various hobbies. Lots of people inside the church 
like a disciple of Jesus today, distracts herself with busyness. See, busyness is interesting, right? It's like we do things and we kind of go about our day, but why are you doing the things? I mean, it's been interesting with me. It's like, you know, we, we had our, our lives come to a halt, didn't we? But yet most of us have found ourselves a way to be busy once again. I'm not driving around. I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, taking my kids. I got four kids, taking them to all the activities anymore, right? Those things have been canceled. But I still find myself busy. Fear perpetuates anxiety. And for me, I take my anxiety and the way I deal with it in my flesh is I find things to busy and distract myself. So let's read a text today, and, and Matt allowed me to move ahead a little bit because really in the theme in which you guys have been in the last couple weeks, I think this is a continued theme that we need to address and talk about inside the church because inside the church, friends, followers of Jesus should be dealing with their fear much differently than the world. And when we do, the world will be turned upside down by what they witness. Peace where there should not be peace. So let's read the text this morning, and let's not read it as a textbook. Let's read it, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, down through 42. And maybe this morning, like me, you'll find yourself in this text and you'll accept Jesus' invitation. It says this, verse 38, now as they went on their way, so Jesus and his disciples, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now let's understand context here as you guys are in the gospel of Luke. Luke's Luke's writing is very intentional. He's a doctor. Now, I like my doctors to be orderly. Well, Luke is orderly. He's dialed in. He's not taking these stories of Jesus' life, these historical accounts, and randomly putting them in place. No, he's read the gospel according to Mark. That's been passed through. He's read most likely the gospel according to Matthew. And what he's doing in his writing to Theophilus, an orderly account. He is, he is unpacking the glory and magnitude of Jesus so that Theophilus can follow Christ in his entire life. 
So this is very important that we understand not just historical context, but order. This comes right after the parable of the Good Samaritan. So lots of people, they want to say, well, you know, uh, this is a personality thing. And Jesus is talking about two personalities, and he just wants you to sit around all day like Mary. Well, we need to read it in order. Because what did Jesus just say in according to the parable of the Good Samaritan? He said, go and do likewise. Serve your neighbor. Now what he's doing is he's showing the fuel, what's behind serving. And we cannot hide behind our serving. We cannot hide behind our busyness. We cannot take what's deep inside and push it down, the fear we're experiencing, and just mask it with doing good. Now, inside the church, the church is known for just doing good. But Jesus is going to do three things here. The first thing he's going to do in this is he's shattering a myth that oftentimes is believed inside the church. If I'm busy, I'm being faithful. You know, oftentimes we, we see people who've walked with Jesus for some time, and then they walk away from him. And it always baffles us, right? Like, man, I thought that person was such a strong believer. Well, what was your basis of that? They were doing a lot of good things for God. Busyness, friends, does not equal faithfulness. Busyness in a relationship isn't relational. Do you understand? Doing for God does not mean you're good with God. That's what we see here. That's the myth that Jesus is shattering. Martha's going about her day. She's doing things. She's very competent. She is making things happen. She is not going to let Jesus and his disciples have nothing to eat. I mean, this is a beautiful thing that she's doing. But I wonder, and Jesus does address this, Martha, you're troubled, and you're hiding behind, being busy. So Jesus, what he's doing here is he's going to shatter a myth. Then he's going to point out for her and for us this morning what oftentimes is behind our busyness, fear. Fear comes behind our busyness. That's what Jesus is saying here. Fear is what's driving Martha to busy herself. She's anxious. She's anxious and distracted, it says here. If you look at verse 41, uh, 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and she rebukes Jesus. Isn't, that, isn't this interesting? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then she commands Jesus to do something. This is very interesting. Tell her then to help me. And what does Jesus say to her? The Lord answered her, and this is beautiful. Martha, Martha. In this culture, 
When you say someone's name twice, it's with endearment. This is a tender, gracious rebuke, but it's a way to show her, I deeply care about you, and I want to invite you into something that you're missing. Martha, Martha. And then what does he do? He goes to the root. He tells her the reasons why. He says, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. Now, you need to understand there was much going on in Martha's day. See, oftentimes we read our culture into the text, and that's very important that we do not do that, but we can make some connections to her culture and ours. Her culture was very chaotic and very uncertain. They were oppressed by Roman rule, and Jesus was ruffling the feathers of the religious leaders, and she was a disciple of Jesus she was being allowed to follow Jesus, which you need to understand. A Jewish rabbi would never accept an invitation into a woman's home. See, Jesus is turning things upside down. He's allowing women to follow him. He's saying women have dignity, value, and worth. He's showing them they're made in the image and likeness of God, no matter what the culture says. And what Jesus is doing is creating chaos. And he's in her home. And he's letting a woman sit at his feet. No rabbi would ever do this. So she's feeling, is somebody going to come in our home? You know, we're, we're having church. And we're not all wearing masks. And the preacher's up there without his mask. What's going on? Right there, she's feeling it. And she's anxious, Jesus said. And she's troubled about many things. And Jesus identifies her fear. And she's masking it in the way God gifted her, but she's hiding behind it. She's pushing the fear down to busy herself. And look what Jesus says to her. But the Lord answered to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion Underline that word portion if you have your Bible or keep that in your note because it's connected to that parable of the Good Samaritan once again. And Luke is drawing a line from what the lawyer asks. How do I inherit eternal life? That word inherit and that word portion are the same word. And Jesus is saying, in other words, Mary's enjoying her inheritance. She's bringing all that you're feeling, Martha. She's bringing it to me. And he's inviting her into this new way of living her life. That's the third thing that Jesus is doing here. He's He's, he's, he's definitely shattering a myth. Busyness equals faithfulness. It doesn't. He's then saying, I know what's behind your busying yourself. He goes to her heart, and then he invites her 
into a new way forward. Here's what Jesus is saying to her. Come be with me, Martha. Enjoy me. I'm the remedy to your fear. Stop being pulled away from me. Yes, hospitality is a gift I've given you. Absolutely. I want you to use it. I want you to love your neighbor. You're so good at it, Martha. You're so good at it. From the moment I came into your home, you, you welcomed me. I felt loved. But don't hide behind your serving. Don't try to escape your fear by keeping your hands busy. Bring it to me. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this, and it's beautiful. And this is another way of personally saying this to Martha, whom he deeply loves. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, all who are tired, all who are trying to control life, all who are allowing fear to rule the day, come to me. Bring that yoke, that heavy thing you're carrying, and exchange it for peace and rest. Jesus is wanting Martha to exchange all that she's dealing with, all that she's carrying, how she's handling her fear, which is, looks good on the outside. He's saying, bring it to me. I will give you rest and I will give you rest for your soul. I find myself in this text. I'm Martha. I get celebrated inside the church. People look at me and they say, wow, Rob's doing it. Look at him, he's just doing it. He, but here's what I'm doing. I'm dealing with anxiety, and he, that's just how I deal it. Deal with it. I push my way through. I find things to do. I get around things. I mean, Matt and I are talking about this. This is how he deals with it, too. See, in our flesh, we're going to deal with it according to how God made us. Some people, when they experience fear, paralyzed. Deer in the headlights. Some busy their hands. Could it be possible that much of your busyness is driven by fear? Fearful that you don't matter. Fearful that if you don't appear busy, you won't feel like you have any value or worth. Therefore, you busy yourself trying to appear significant, definitely to others, but if you're going to be honest, maybe to God too. Fearful that you'll never be truly accepted. Therefore, you busy yourself. You post on your social media page, look at what I'm doing today. Look at how I did this today. Now, it's subtle, right? But maybe you could be honest and say, you want people to notice. Maybe God will notice. Fearful that even though everybody around you feels like 
you're a pretty good person. You, you don't feel good. And I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't, I don't think I'm special enough. Therefore, maybe you're busy trying to use your personality, your privilege, your platform, whatever it is to appear good, special, and unique. Fearful, man, I, I don't know if I can be fully known because I don't know if there's a thing of being fully loved at the same time. So you pretend and you perform in your fear. Fearful of being left out, so you just keep up with the Joneses. Just kind of do what they do. Fearful. Maybe you're fearful, like me, of the future because you can't control the future. Have you noticed that in this day and age? That you don't have any control? I'm a control freak. And a guy that feels like he doesn't have any control, that's where my anxiety's coming from. I want to control it. Now, all of us are control freaks on some level. And all of us, probably before the pandemic, you thought you had control. It's all an illusion. You never had control. But we're trying to get control, trying to get control of our lives. So we try to control. If I can just control my kids, I'm going to control them through my parenting. You know, I can't control the people around me, so I'm just going to get louder than them. I'm going to bully them, or I'm going to do things in my angry outburst. Sister Kai gets busy, man, and, and, and it's just like, man, I'm trying to deal with my fear, fearful of the future. How are you dealing with it? Are you like Martha and busy? Well, Jesus is inviting you to know something here. Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. She's choosing to enjoy her inheritance. Here's a couple things before we kind of move into that last point. I want you to hear this this morning. I believe this is for people in this room. I know it's definitely for me. God's approval is a gift. He doesn't need, he doesn't need you to earn it. He's giving it freely. He's not requiring you to earn it. He loves you. And it can only be received by grace. And when you place your trust in Jesus, you receive all the approval that you could ever long for. And Jesus, this is the second point, Jesus is where we enjoy God's loving approval. Jesus is where we enjoy all that God has for us. See, Jesus is our satisfaction. Because of Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ, we have value, we have worth, we have significance. You see, here's the reality. You don't need to look for approval, satisfaction, value, and worth in this world. And here's the good, here's the good news. You won't find it anywhere. You will only find it in God alone. And he's been given to you perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, come to me, enjoy me. I am all you long for. I am all you crave. 
And then the third thing here is that Jesus doesn't need you. He wants you. I know we hear this in church all the time, but look at your life. Does it actually reveal that? That he just wants you? I mean, think about this. Look at Martha. Martha scolds Jesus. She is trying to make lunch. And she's like, I don't have enough hands. Would you tell Mary to get up and help me? We gotta make lunch for Jesus. Now remember, if you've read your Bible at all, Jesus can make his own lunch. He fed 5,000 people with a boy's sack lunch. He doesn't need Martha's homemaking abilities. You see, he doesn't need lunch. He wants Martha. Jesus doesn't doesn't need you, but he wants to be with you. This is so relational. Our God is so relational. So as we examine, this is an invitation to Martha and to us. First, to evaluate our busyness. How are you dealing with fear? Maybe you're like Martha. You're busying yourself. You're not running around as you once were, but your anxiety's driven and you're kind of like trying to do stuff. And then also ponder Jesus' invitation to come to him, to find rest and peace in him. See, Jesus told Martha that she was busy about many things, but she'd forgotten the best thing. See, the best thing here is the first thing. Martha, you forgot to start with me. You haven't mastered enjoying me. Therefore, you're still anxious, Martha. Come to me like Mary. Sit at my feet. Receive me. Enjoy me. Learn to accept my invitation consistently and daily. See, the real problem with being busy is it's just that mask. We feel it, it's just, it's just a mask. But it keeps us oftentimes from the necessary thing. The great danger of busyness is that it keeps us from the feet of Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, Martha, I know you're anxious and troubled. I invite you to bring your anxiety, your trouble that's being perpetuated by fear and bring it to me. I hold the future. I'm in control. Exchange your fear for the one who can dispel all of it and can calm the storm that's raging in your soul. Jesus is saying, Martha, I have a better way for you. This is a beautiful, kind scold or rebuke. Come to me, Martha. We need to think about this for a moment. How do you spend your time? 
What do you jump out of the bed and do first thing in the morning? I know what I do oftentimes. I grab my phone and I read the news. And I guess you could probably understand how my day typically goes on those days. Anxiety gets to a height. I try to gain control of the people around me. And it typically comes out in ugly sin. Or I busy myself in good things, thinking I'm faithful to God. And yet the whole time, I'm doing the one thing he called his disciples to do. Believe in me. In John 6, that's exactly what his disciples asked. They says, what must we be doing to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you must believe in the one whom God has sent. Trust me. Bring it all to me. So ask yourself, what do you, what do, you do with your time? How do you spend your time? What you do with your time reveals what you value most. It exposes what you're searching for in life. How you spend your time makes clear how much you trust God or how little you trust God. It shows what kingdom you're actually building. And Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now let's look at this last section here. The Lord answered Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, I'm inviting you into a new way. I know that you're fearful. I know that you're scared. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion. Now, throughout the Bible, God says that he himself is the portion of inheritance of his people. In Psalm 73, the psalmist says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Mary has chosen the good portion. Uh, Lamentations 3 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. And they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You see, the purpose of eternal life, the purpose of life in Christ is to enjoy your portion, God himself. That's the point of the Christian life. That's how you experience what Jesus promised in John 10.10. Real and eternal life. The abundant life is enjoying your inheritance. And it's God. It's God himself. The reason God saves people is so they can experience real life. Life in a world of chaos. Enjoying Jesus, listening to him, talking with him, experiencing him in his presence, trusting him, following him, learning to treasure him, looking forward to being with him forevermore. You see, the best thing about heaven is not the streets of gold. It's Jesus himself and experiencing him in fullness. When you exchange your fear For Jesus, let me tell you what happens, and you have to do this consistently and daily because our heart is prone to wander. 
We have to do it often. We come to church to rest, recalibrate, and then re-enter and do our work because we need to be reminded of how much God loves us and what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. We, if we, listen, if we understand this, if we believe this, if we are people that learn to receive Jesus and consistently give our anxiety and our fear to him, we will be given God himself living and trusting and following him. And let me tell you what the world will see. They will see a different people than they see out there. Doesn't mean we don't live in chaos. It doesn't mean we still don't live in uncertainty. It doesn't mean we know the future. But we know the one who holds it, and we are trusting in him. And we will live with a confidence that the world cannot have and will not grasp and will not get in any other way. And you know what they'll see? They'll see people who are satisfied and who have peace in the midst of the storm. Let me tell you, church, what the greatest evangelical witness in our coming days and into our future, it's going to be people living in the midst of chaos who have supernatural peace and can rest because they are trusting and banking upon the finished work of Jesus. And they have learned to enjoy him consistently and daily. And not only that, is that the Lord is our portion. But listen to this. It gets even better. In Deuteronomy 32.9, it says that we are God's portion. See, Deuteronomy 32.9 says the Lord's portion is his people. See, he enjoys us. We enjoy him. This is a glorious promise. God gives you himself, and then he enjoys you. And that's the thing that we need to really understand is that God is so desperately in love with you. And he's calling you to come to him, to enjoy him. And in your coming to him, he's enjoying you. So as we kind of wrap this up, I want to extend the invitation to you. And this is what I've been doing as, as I've examine this text. I'm reading myself into it. Here it says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I'd like us to insert our names in there. Whatever your name is, put it there and read it. And imagine sitting in this room. And I don't know what's happening in your soul, but you're freaking out. You're yelling at people that shouldn't be yelled at. You're telling Jesus what to do. You're trying to begin in control, and he gently calls out your name. Rob, Rob, you are distracted and you are troubled about many things. Come and enjoy me the good portion. Mary's enjoying the good portion. Will you come and enjoy it? So church, that's our invitation this morning. And I want to encourage you that that is the Christian life. It's consistently and daily 
taking the anxiety and the fear, however that feels to you, and pausing, maybe all throughout your day and saying, I give it to you, Jesus. And I accept your invitation to exchange it for peace and rest. Let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to do this. He's the only one that can to give us the faith to run to him. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that Jesus, you did what we could not do. You died the death that we deserve. And you gently invite us to come to you. God, however we're dealing this morning with our fear, whatever our anxiety looks like on the outside, would we recognize it this morning that it is fear? And would we bring that fear to you and accept your invitation to enjoy you, God? We need help. We need faith. Lord, this is hard for us. So we ask you to show us how. Lord, we are individuals in this room. Show us individually. Meet us personally. As you called out to Martha's name, call out to us. And you are. And would you help us learn what it means for us to enjoy you, our portion. You are our portion, Jesus, now and forever. And I pray it would transform us from the inside out. And would people see it in our world? And would we be able to share with them the only one that's given me peace is my portion, my inheritance, Jesus. Help us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.